You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Piston Podcast, episode 11 of the second series, recorded today, Saturday night, very exciting, a lot of people are probably partying, although they're probably not because of Covid, I am here in my home studio, in my bedroom, sat down in front of my computer and the microphone recording this podcast, it is Saturday the 21st of November, so when you're listening to this podcast in the future and you're like, god, this news is so irrelevant, that's probably why, it's recorded in the past, that's the thing with podcasting, uh, different to radio and stuff like that it's pre-recorded it's not live or anything so to be honest when you hear um this podcast everything you'll hear in the podcast is probably irrelevant anyway anyway um people may have noticed there hasn't actually been an episode of the piston podcast uh, in about two weeks and there is good reason for that basically i just haven't had the time and other things um have been prioritized and yeah a lot of things have been going on I'm not going to explain what exactly um, but the most important thing is the Piston Podcast is back and should be back weekly now. Um, last week was only an exception, it shouldn't be a regular thing. Every single week until around Christmas time when I'm planning to end Series 2 shorter than I would have done uh, like I did with Series 1 and did it on Episode 20 I think, but I think this is going to be a shorter series and then start fresh in the new year with Series 3. Um, because, you know, new year, new series, new me as they say, um, but not with the series. Because, uh, you know, not everybody presents a podcast. Anyway, um, now, eagle-eyed people will also have noticed that in the title, this week, we're going to be talking about a very, very special car. Now, when I last recorded this podcast two weeks ago, it wasn't out yet properly. There was sort of, you know, hints and stuff, but journalists weren't actually allowed to talk about this car. And now, they have, and I'm allowed to discuss what they've said, or rather I'm able to, because I haven't actually been in one yet, but I'm planning to. <laughs> it is the Toyota Yaris GR, or the Toyota Yaris GR, as Johnny Smith calls it, and I just find that so funny, funnier than I probably should do. So yeah, Toyota Yaris GR, it has been talked about in the media a lot this week. It's 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 taking the internet by storm. So I thought, you know what, let's join the party of podcasts and other YouTube channels and stuff like that, journalists talking about this car. Let's talk about it myself, because I've got a lot to talk about when it comes to this car. I genuinely think it's probably uh, one of the best cars of the year, along with the Honda E. Although the Honda E was kind of last year, but, you know, it came to the roads this year, so I suppose it's 2020. So, yeah. It's getting kind of confusing. Anyway, let's kick off with the news. And I'm going to do a James May impression. It's good news because, good news people, your first look at the new Nissan Qashqai. I know, you've probably all been sitting at the edge of your seats. Daniel, I've been waiting for the podcast when you're going to announce a new Nissan Qashqai. It's a very exciting moment for the planet, I know. Forget all of the uh, petrol and diesel ban and stuff like that, which we'll come on to later on. Um, they want to hear about the Nissan Qashqai. You all want to hear about the Qashqai, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably not. Not a very interesting thing to talk about, really. But the new Nissan Qashqai uh, has been spotted with all of its, you know, camouflage wrap on. And really, you can't make out what on earth it looks like, apart from it's big. But then again, a Qashqai is big. Lewis Hamilton has lost a three-year legal battle with Hamilton Watch Company. Uh, it's took three years. I don't know what has happened with this. 
Shall I try and find out for you all, um, loyal listeners, I was about to say viewers then, that's the problem with doing a YouTube channel as well as a podcast, and an article, an article, so technically I've got readers, viewers, and listeners, it gets confusing. Anyway, this Lewis Hamilton thing. A little over three years ago, F1 driver Lewis Hamilton got into a legal, got into a bit of a legal fight with Hamilton Watch Company for the use of the name Hamilton in Europe. And of course he lost. And I'm just going to cut straight to the point, why did it take so long? I mean, I like the guy. He's one of my favourite F1 drivers. This is a quote, by the way, from the writer. But the first thing I thought when I heard about this was, damn, his lawyers must be really good. Because how else would you explain that it took Hamilton Watch Company, a brand that has been around since 1892, three years to win a battle over a name that A, Lewis Hamilton has only been using since 1985, the year he was born, and B, is actually a pretty common name. Now, I didn't know about this. I think that is damn rubbish. Um, I think it's just, I don't know, Lewis Hamilton being Lewis Hamilton. A bit funny. Although when he, because F1 this season for F1 has finished, I think, and Lewis Hamilton has won his seventh champion championship, which means he's in line with Michael Schumacher, I think, which is quite incredible. Um, he, he cried, apparently, on the, on the radio, basically telling people to follow their dreams and stuff, which is nice. First time I think Lewis Hamilton has ever let out his emotions. But, oh, I'm not going to go too, de- too deep into it because... He could be a lovely man outside of the, the um, you know, the eagle eye. I'm saying eagle eye a lot in this podcast. I probably should stop. Um, Jeep has quietly introduced the 2021 Renegade Islander Edition. Now, looks like a standard Renegade, but this is the Islander Edition. So, the tropical-themed Renegade is based on the, spa- on the base sport trim and starts at $27,675 US dollars. Yeah, man. Sorry, terrible impression. And basically, apparently, it looks like Ireland. No, not the country Ireland. Oh, it might be, actually. No. No, it's not. No. No, because, no, Ireland, the country is I-R-E, and this is I-S-L-A-N-D-R. So, this is actually based on, like, a tropical island, and apparently they've made the car look like that. I don't know. It seems a bit like press nonsense, but oh well. Volkswagen has officially confirmed the ID Space Vision with Zs instead of S uh, for 2023. So Volkswagen's electric station wagon is on the works. Looks very cool, gotta say. And this is the concept. VW are doing very well at the moment. Uh, the new Renault Capture E-Tech plug-in hybrid is a glimpse into the future. The Capture is Renault's best-selling car in the UK, unsurprisingly, and now it's available with Renault's E-Tech Tech. Um, that's interesting. Now, the Capture's always been a bit of a funny car, because it's basically just a Clio with, you know, a different body, and it seems quite cheaply done, and it's a bit... Uh, a bit poverty, if I can say that. Not because of the price, but just because how it feels. It's a bit dull and a bit plasticky, and I've been in a few Captures... Not very impressed with them. But the new facelifted one that Renault announced, I think, uh, for next year or something, it actually looks pretty decent. So, fair play to Renault. But this has got the new hybrid system, E-Tech, that Renault are now doing. So, I'm sure it's going to be interesting. Although, hybrid isn't the future. It just isn't. Now, I want to talk about this. I said I would talk about it about a minute ago. Uh, a minute ago. There we go. Voice break. Uh-huh. But I never did. So, we'll talk about it now. In the news this week, probably one of the biggest pieces of news, apart from the Toyota Yaris, grrr, is that, uh, you may remember, um, the UK were planning to ban the sale of new petrol and diesel and hybrid cars by, I think, 2040 or something, or 2035. Well, for petrol and diesel cars, they've dragged it forward, or back, don't know the difference, to 2030. So yes, that's right, if it all goes to plan, from 2030, 
it to be illegal in the UK for anybody to buy a brand new petrol or diesel car. Brand new. Now, this is interesting because I've heard a lot of people going, oh no, people basically that aren't thinking enough into it. And then the clever people. Now, one person I heard, um, or rather I saw, tweeted um, about the fact... Sorry, I don't know if you heard that. My brother was just coming up the stairs in a bit of a mood. Thomas, I'm recording a podcast. Um, anyway, as I was saying, uh, some guy said that basically this is probably a bit of a favour um, because he basically thought, I can't remember who it was, otherwise I would have given him a bit of a shout-out, but he basically said that if, you know, petrol and diesel cars would have carried on, most likely petrol cars until 2030, they'd all be boring four-cylinders, so-called boring anyway. I don't think they're too boring. I quite like four-cylinders in some cars. But then, it, it, like an S-Class four-cylinder, four for example, people just be find them really boring. So they may as well make a more exciting electric car and it being better and it be better for the planet. There we go. Now, I fully support EVs. Regular listeners of this podcast will know that because even though it is a piston podcast, I've reviewed electric cars as well as rotary cars. I've done one rotary and that's the Mazda RX-7 with my friend Matt. Um, go check out them podcasts, I suppose, after this one. But yeah, I like EVs a lot. They're in my lifetime and I find that so exciting. And for 2021, I was actually planning to do this this year, but with COVID and everything, it didn't really work. I got hold of a panda before lockdown, and then we bought our own. <laughs> but then my plan was basically to get hold of some EVs, because I've never, ever, never ever been in one. And I can probably release this now, because it's been a while. But just before the lockdown, probably a week before it was announced, I went to BMW um, and basically um, asked for an i3, and they basically said we didn't have one, and they'd phone me back. And then they phoned me back... But I didn't answer, and then COVID happened. I didn't answer uh, by accident, basically. Um, I wouldn't have done it on purpose. It was by accident. I was on my bike, I think, and just said I'll ignore it, and then never got around to doing it. So COVID got in the way and ruined all the plans, all smudged. So for 2021, on my YouTube channel and Drive Tribe and this podcast, I'm going to try and get hold of some EVs, uh, just because it's the future. And, you know, it makes sense a youth doing uh, a youth doing electric cars, I suppose. It's just something to do. But anyway, let's move away from that. For $25, BMW will use radar detectors to warn you about speed cameras. Whoa! $25 well spent, I say. Uh, so it's featured as part of BMW's Connected Drive Digital Service. That is very interesting. It t now, I heard about this, actually. This piece of news I'm going to talk about now. I was talking to my mum about it. It's quite incredible. Italian police car used... Uh, sorry, Italian police have used a Lamborghini Huracan to race a kidney across country to hospital. So, um, I'm going to read this article to you, actually. I got all my news from Drive Tribe, just saying, uh, while it's loading. Computer's being very slow today. There we go. I'll read it out to you. Last week, Italy was faced with a challenge. They received an organ donor kidney, and it needed to go to Padua as soon as possible. The big issue is that the kidney was Rome or was in Rome, over 300 miles, or 233.4 kilometres per hour, away from Padua. Padua. So, the Italians were faced with a decision. Use a helicopter, or use a Lamborghini Huracan. So, to our surprise, they opted for the Huracan. Perhaps they didn't need... Perhaps they didn't have a helicopter readily available. They did a tweet, actually, showing this Lamborghini. So... The, the Italian police department brought the Hurricane back in 2017 and they equipped the Hurricane for situations just like these. It has a refrigerated frunk, which is a front trunk, or a fruit, if you want to call it, a front boot, 
uh, and defibrillators on board, making it oddly ideal for an organ donor delivery. The Hurricane is also equipped with a regular police car uh, gizmos needed to make traffic stops and arrests. Wow. So, the Hurricane averaged 145 miles per hour, which for the overseas listeners is 233.4 kilometers per hour. So, this was through the uh, throughout the two-hour trek. The transport from Rome to Gemelli University Hospital in the northern area of Padua, according to Google Maps, takes five hours. So, you got there in... Jeez. You got there in two hours. That's... Two hours? Yeah, is that, have I said that right? That is amazing, that is. That is utterly incredible. Wow. And somebody's commented, speed saves lives, says Jeremy Clarkson. But yeah, that's interesting. Fair play to the Italians for that. It's a uh, story to tell, I suppose, for the guy. Hopefully he's still alive. You know, I got saved by a Lamborghini. Really quite incredible. Lincoln Nautilus gets a huge interior redesign for 2021. Now, heard of Lincoln, but what the hell is the Nautilus? The Nautilus. So, so the exterior doesn't receive much of an update. It looks good already, to be fair. Uh, but the interior gets a vast redesign and a not-so-hidden secret. Ooh, I'm sure we all care so much. Now, we care about this, though. Kia unveils two special edition Sorrentos. There's an aggressive custom X-Line SUVs place emphasis on adventure, capability, and trail readiness. I said that completely wrong. I apologize. But there's a picture of this Sorrento, and it's like... It's almost like the new Ford Bronco with how it's kitted out and everything, but probably better. I really like this Sorento. It looks really, really cool. It's got roof box that actually fits properly, kind of, and roof lights, and it's got Sorento and down the side, chunky tyres, winch at the front. Looks really cool, not going to lie. Anyway, we're getting very carried away with car news, so let's end that here, and let's get on with some piston discussion. This is just random bits of discussion I need to get out of my merry mouth. Merry Mouth, I haven't said that before. So, um, now, first of all, I would like to talk about my YouTube channel, which is just Daniel Actaris at the moment, that's what it's called. Need to change it though, so send in your suggestions. Thanks to people who already have, I'm still deciding for some reason. Um, I did a YouTube video basically replacing the sun visor on our Fiat Panda 100 HP. I know, so interesting. Um, but actually it was, apparently, because about 200 people, I think, at the moment have viewed it, and I've had a lot of nice comments on YouTube and Twitter and all the other weird places, basically saying they actually found it weirdly satisfying, and some people that sat down with a bowl of cereal and put it on their television. That is, that's really cool, isn't it? So I suggest you go have a look at that YouTube video, it would be on my Twitter somewhere or something, or my Instagram, I don't know, probably Twitter, um, so go check it out, or just search up some visor fun Fiat Panda 100HP, and it should come up. Now, this is probably more exciting than that. Uh, somebody on Instagram called Lewis, who follows me, and I follow him, a very, very decent guy, so shout out. I think we need an interlude. Do, 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 do. There we go, got him here. So, basically, he got hold online, on the internet, um, some old books, basically, and there's a, one of them is a car's pocket guide from October 1984 for Austin Rover, for the use of Austin Rover salesman only. And this book, yeah, it's from October 1984. And then the other book, it's only a little book, pocket books, is for the pocket guide for the use of Leyland car salesman only. So, he's also sent along some pictures, about three old pictures of an old Mini, an old Fiat, and an old Austin Montego. Um, and actually... A Montego? No, not a Montego. A Maestro. There you go. Um, and actually, they're so, so nice. He basically put, um, in, he wrote a letter as well. He said, Hi Daniel, I hope the entire Actor House clan and Paolo are well. Paolo being the car, Actor House clan being my family. 
So here are some historical goodies for you to enjoy with some bonus pictures. Um, so there's a picture of a Mini, which is his mum's first car. Austin Maestro, which is his mum and dad's first car. Um, and a 1977 Fiat 132GLS, uh, 1800 Auto. Uh, apparently there's some beauties in the background as well. He said, enjoy the throwbacks to yesteryear and hope to hear again soon. All the best, Lewis. And then it's got his address for sending it back, blah, blah, blah. But I just think that's so nice. People on Instagram can be so, so kind. I'm not going to talk about it too much. I'll give you a bit of a clue, though, what's in it. So if I start off with the pocket guide for Leyland cars, I can go to the Austin Allegro, and it's basically giving me a guide of all of the facts. It actually smells of old men. Oh, that's actually amazing. It smells like it smells like a mixture of old, like nineteen eighties kitchen, almost like pipe smoke, and burning engine. It smells really quite interesting. Um, so basically, if I go to the Austin Allegro, it says like engine capacity. It's got the different engine sizes, and then for, if I go for the eleven hundred saloon, it'll tell me that there's four cylinders. And the bore in millimetres, whatever the hell that is, is 64.58. And the BHP is 45. Wow. At 5,250 RPM. Just random facts like that. And I just think that's so cool for boring people like me. Sorry if you like that, but it's probably a bit boring. Um, Pocket guide for Austin Rover. And then this has basically got everything. Austin Metro, MG Maestro, uh, Austin Maestro, obviously Austin... Yeah... Oh, sorry, Austin Montego. Sorry, read that completely wrong. Get mixed up between the Montego and the Maestro. I don't know why. MG Metro, Austin Mini. Oh, there's just so much stuff in it. But basically, don't worry. You're probably all like, oh, I really want to see these, and you can't see it in a podcast because it's a podcast. But my plan basically is I'm going to... I've got it for a few weeks. I'm going to send it back before Christmas. It's only a temporary thing. Uh, temporary thing. There you go. But I'm going to try and film a YouTube video. In fact, I will film a YouTube video on both of the books and maybe the pictures. Yes, I will do the pictures. And then I might um, accompany it with an article on Drive Tribe. So just keep an eye on my social media, really, at Daniel Carzo 5 um, And I'll update you on there, really. But massive thanks to Lewis for sending them in. On the next podcast, or the one after, or the one after, I'll keep you updated, really, what happens with these, because it's really amazing. Anyway, I think we should get on with the Piston Podcast Pick of the Week. Um, in fact, no, let's just finish off Piston Discussion and then we'll move on to that. Now, um, good news, actually. I got a message on Drive Tribe uh, for one of the CEO people. And he basically said that um, I have been invited to join the Drive Tribe Creators Program. And I joined the Discord chat. So that's really exciting. And really, I owe it, I owe it to all of the readers. Because if I would have got like one reader on an article, then you know what? It wouldn't have happened. So thank you to everybody for the support. I know I say that quite a lot, but really it means means quite a lot for somebody like me who's just literally starting off. I'm 15 um, and, you know, I'm in the creators program. It's really amazing. Anyway, moving away from that, um, there's chats in the Act House household uh, with my family. Basically, we're thinking of our next car. Now, the Panda's staying, don't worry, but our Renault Scenic um, needs to go probably in the new year. We've had it for about seven years and, you know what, it's having some faults. Um, hopefully a new buyer isn't listening, but yeah... Yeah, it's not not great, and it's a bit boring as well, not going to lie. So we're thinking of the next car, and my dad is basically adamant he wants an EV, and my mum's sort of like, yeah, it's probably right. And I'm like, yes, please, it'd be really interesting. So we're considering basically getting an e-golf on finance or lease or something. We've got to look into it, really, the numbers. 
we're just um, doing research into it and stuff like that. But really, I'm asking if any of you have a VW e-Golf or any electric car similar, any any tips or any facts you have or any help you can offer when it comes to buying a first EV, please do get in contact. You can email uh, thepistonpodcast at gmail.com or you can email me personally if you'd prefer danielactorhouse at gmail.com. Or just tweet or Instagram me at DanielCarzo5. Just get in contact, really. Your help will be much appreciated. Now, let's get on with the Piston Podcast Pick of the Week, which, as I said, is the Toyota Yaris GR, the GR, GR, meaning Gazoo Racing, which is basically Toyota's equivalent for M Motorsport or RS or Alpine for Renault, I suppose, now, because they've changed. So, uh, it, it's priced from £29,995, so just £5 off £30,000. But if you get like the circuit pack or something, it's probably going to go up to about £34,000. It comes with a 1.6-litre, three-cylinder, turbocharged petrol engine. And, fun fact, it's actually the most powerful and lightest three... Sorry, 1.6-litre uh, engine fitted to a car ever, I think. Or it may be the most powerful three-cylinder. Get my facts wrong, not very good. But that, that engine produces a massive 257 horsepower. Yes, three-cylinder producing 257 horsepower. Wow. That engine is placed at the front and drives the four wheels. It's four-wheel drive, which is really quite incredible. Six-speed manual gearbox. It produces 360 newton meters of torque, which is quite a bit. MPG average is 35 MPG. Not to 60, claimed by Toyota, is 5.2 seconds, although in the real world you're probably going to get about 5.5 seconds, which in a Yaris is pretty wicked. At top speed is 143 miles per hour. It weighs 1,280 kilograms. The end cap safety rating hasn't been tested yet, so I can't tell you that, unfortunately. CO2 emissions, 184 grams per kilometre. It's a three-door, four-seater, I believe. Uh, other bits of random information, it's got a carbon fibre roof aluminium doors, it's got plastic panels, all to make it really, really light. And it has worked, to be fair, and it feels light from what I've heard. Now, it's got three different modes, normal, sport, and track, and they vary the uh, four-wheel drive system. So if you have it in normal mode, it's basically 60% of the drive at the front wheels, 40% of the drive at the rear wheels. However, if you have it in sport mode, 70% of the power goes to the rear wheels, and 30% goes to to the front, so it's basically more rear-wheel drive, and I've seen a lot of people drifting it, Chris Harris, um, Sam from Seen Through Glass and stuff like that, it's really quite interesting. In track mode, it's 50-50, so basically it's ultimate grip um, is what you get. Uh, now, rivals Ford Fiesta ST, maybe, although it's a bit underpowered, but realistically probably the Renault Megane RS, or even the Honda Civic Type R, so even though the Aris itself is a whole league under, say, a Civic, it matches the Type R, the GR version, which is quite incredible. Pros and cons. Pros, journalists adore it. Now I'm going to develop my answer in this. Um, basically, it's been one of the only cars, the Honda E probably is an exception, although there was a few people that probably didn't like it very much. The Toyota Yaris GR, I think I've seen one journalist that maybe isn't keen. He doesn't hate it, he's just not keen. But other than him, maybe, on Twitter, I'm not going to name names, um, everybody absolutely adores it, including me. Everybody loves it in their YouTube videos, in their articles. You can just tell the enthusiasm. They absolutely adore it. Another pro is it's four-wheel drive, and it's the most powerful three-cylinder, I believe. Uh, cons, the interior quality maybe isn't up to scratch. The exhaust note isn't very crisp. It's not very growly. So really, the first thing I'd probably do if I get a Yaris, grrr, 
is I'd maybe get a new exhaust system, personally. Uh, and the last con is it's you can't actually combine the packs. So it's got like the track pack and the circuit pack and another little pack. But I mean, you only get you get certain things in the track pack that you maybe wouldn't get in the circuit pack or the other way around. And you can't actually combine them. You have to choose. So for a lot of people that have been ordering them, ordering them, which a lot of people have, it's probably a bit of a pain in the backside. But oh well, I'm going to give it a five out of five regardless because I think it's probably. A very exciting car, and I've seen a lot of people actually interesting, inter- interestingly, with this announcement of the ban of new petrol and diesel cars by 2030, people just got out and bought, or rather ordered, a Toyota Yaris GR, just because, you know what, it's, it's fun, it's probably going to be one of the last new petrol cars some people might have, but, oh my word, it's amazing. But what's so interesting with this, it's, it's, it, it's a homologation special, there we go, I said it. Now... Most homologation specials, or rally cars, sort of, uh, they start off as a normal car, and then they develop it into a World Rally Championship rally car. Toyota have basically said, no, they've taken the Lancia approach, and they've made a rally car and tuned it for the road. That's right. That is pretty incredible, really, isn't it? That just That's a recipe for fun. I, t- I did a tweet, basically, just explaining my love for it. It's just incredible. But it's a very, very special car. And surprisingly, uh, not many car companies have taken this approach. And I think Toyota's setting the benchmark, really, for hot hatches of the future. It shouldn't all be about, you know, like, big cars. Because the Civic is probably quite sizable now. It should be small, like the Yaris, or small like the Panda, even, which is, like, two grand. But, yeah, it's a very interesting car, indeed. Very, very interesting. And I absolutely adore it, really. I'll probably come back to this car in the future, in the podcasts, and... If I if I get one on test maybe or something I might I might do another review who knows but that wait we'll have to wait and see for that now if the Toyota Yaris GR isn't for you and you're a bit you know a bit weird maybe then I'm going to give you a top ten list of the hot hatchbacks now I went on the auto car website where I usually get my figures from for top ten lists and it crashed so I've had to resort to Auto Express now what's interesting is the Toyota Yaris GR isn't actually on this list. Uh, and I'm guessing that's because it wasn't around when the list was made. But you can it'd probably be first if it was added on anyway. But number 10 is the Volkswagen Up GTI. And number 9 is the Mini Cooper S. And number 8 is quite a long name. It's the BMW M135i X-Drive. There's a lot of letters in that. And number 7 is the Mercedes AMG A35. And number 6 is the Hyundai i30N. And number 5 is the Renault Megane RS. And number 4 is the Ford Fiesta ST. And number three is the Mercedes AMG again, A45S, with the more powerful version of the A35. And number two is the Ford Focus ST. Surprising, actually. Thought it'd been in the RS. Maybe it's more affordable list. I don't know. And at number one is the Honda Civic Type R. No Yaris, but I think it'd be first if it was on the list, regardless. But there we go. Now talking of hot hatches, this is not Yaris related or anything, but. Uh, there's a program on Quest at the moment called World's Greatest Cars, I think, and I watched episode two all about hot hatches, and they try and find the best hot hatches. It's got the likes of Jimmy DeVille, Ant Anstead, uh, Drew Pritchard, Mike Brewer, Vicky Butler-Henderson, Rory Reid, all of them presenting it, and it's really, really good. So I can recommend you have a look on D-Play or Quest or whatever it's on. Uh, it's good, but yeah. Anyway, My Way or Highway. This is a segment where I basically do a road of the week, basically. I don't know why I don't just call it that. It's really simpler. This is just jazzier, isn't it? So you can take My Way or you can just go away and take the highway. That rhymes. My way, or go away and take the highway. Amazing. 
Except, you know what, it's not really actually, it's not a road really at all. And it's not because it's a racetrack, because it's not even a racetrack really. It's a rally course, because obviously the Toyota Yaris GR is basically a rally car for the road. So let's choose a rally um, circuit, shall we? And specifically, it's the Panzerplatte in Germany. Now, it's a World Rally Championship stage, as I just said. It runs through a military area, so it's got military obstacles, like aeroplanes and stuff like that. Not like the road, obviously, but aside. It has massive concrete boulders, so watch out. And this is apparently for... Uh, to stop cars from rolling away or something like that, I don't know. And apparently it's the most dangerous stage used in the World Rally Championship. That is, that's quite a, that's quite a uh, claim, isn't it, really? Apparently it's also a nightmare in the rain, but with the Yaris, I, I imagine you'll be absolutely fine. So, there we go, that is My Way or Highway. Anyway, I think we should wrap it up there. So, I thank you for listening to this podcast. Again, apologies, there wasn't one last week. But you know what, should be with normality now. Uh, exam week is um, in a week's time, I think, at school. So, yeah, who knows what's going to happen. Hopefully I do well, blah, blah, blah. Because I need good grades if I want to succeed with motoring journalism. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, I do hope you stay safe. Lockdown is getting really annoying now, I suppose. Lockdown 2.0. So, do stay safe. Remember to talk to people. It's very important, if it's about cars even. And, yeah, follow me on social media at DanielCars05. And you can chat with me as well, because I like talking about cars. Maybe even motorbikes. Because episode 10, which came out two weeks ago, was basically a motorbike special, where I talked about the Honda Super Cub and did the world's greatest motorbikes. And people seem to like that podcast, so thank you to listen to, thank you for listening to that one as well. Uh, maybe more motorbike ones will come in the future. Who knows? Maybe some aeroplanes. I don't know. Let me know what you want, people, uh, on social media. But anyway, remember to subscribe to the Piston Podcast if you're on that platform. Follow it if you're on Amazon. Or like it if you're on Spotify. I don't know what you do. Or just leave a positive review, maybe. Or share it with your friends. Do whatever you want. It would be a massive help to me and the podcast. Anyway, I should say goodbye, and I'll see you next week, next time, for another podcast. Cheerio. You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast.